ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, defending, 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 undisputed universal heavyweight champion, Wildcat Radio 2.0, bear down, you beautiful people. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry, and we got a big show planned today. We're going to talk some basketball. We're going to talk some football. We're going to talk some baseball. We're going to start with basketball, Brett, though, because the season is officially over. Kansas in men's basketball is a national champion, and I mean they're a one seed, so somewhat chalk. But I will say, Brett, in watching them beat North Carolina, I wasn't overly impressed. Because I'm like, wow, thinking from the Arizona perspective of how far back Arizona is from a Kansas, because. I don't think Kansas was that much better than the Wildcats this year. I mean, they did, they did have notorious uh, ASU transfer Remy Martin hitting, yes, yes. hitting shots. Those crazy-ass uh, also, shots that he doesn't apparently only make against Arizona. That was kind of nice to see. And don't forget, uh, not Arizona good, according to the boards, Mitch Lightfoot. Not that he wins the game, but he got <laughs> minutes in the championship game for the national champion. Um, you know, it's, it, it, it's not surprising to see Kansas come out win. Uh, it's it's funny for as much of the the as as crazy as the tournament was in terms of crazy upsets, you know, in almost every round. By the time we get to the final four, you know, you talk about Kansas being a one seed. It wasn't exactly a surprising final four. You know, you had no, a, uh, you know, you had Kansas, Villanova, Duke, uh, all one and two seeds, and and North Carolina, right? It was, it was an, an eight, eight seed, seed, but it's still North Carolina. But yeah, it's North Carolina who you know closed the regular season off beating Duke at Duke. <laughs> and they closed that Duke season out again, beating Duke. Um, you know, so it, it, it was a kind of funny tournament, in the, you know, in the sense that the good teams generally uh, were there at the left standing at the end. But the difference between those teams and, you know, Arizona and the teams that upset Arizona is not nearly that much. It kind of speaks to the parity of, of basketball. And I think Arizona, you know, for a young team, that that maybe is kind of some of the difference there, you know. As much as we make Remy Martin jokes, he's he's been around uh, in college basketball a number of years. Oh, yeah. Having him coming off the bench for you is a luxury that most teams don't have, like a fifth-year yeah. senior who's played a lot of basketball. Yeah, and that's you know, you know, Arizona has what one fifth-year senior themselves in uh, Justin Kyer, but that's he's you know that's Justin Kyer. It's not a guy who's transferring to Kansas. Granted, he transferred to Arizona. But even then, Justin Kyer hadn't had any postseason experience. Um, it, it was a young Arizona team, and I think that they performed above general expectations for the year, and I think that difference is not that much. It's just learning how to win. Yeah, and we talked about last week with Justin Spears. It seems like the one thing Arizona was missing, it's one thing you could point to was experience, and granted, by the time they lost to Houston, they had a couple of games of experience in the NCAA tournament, but these things make a difference in the tournament, and, you know, we... You, I mean, I guess it makes a difference when it makes a difference, right? There's every Arizona had every chance to just run the table, go through because they were that talented. And to some degree, it's like, well, maybe what they don't know helps them. But either way, you know, it's from an Arizona perspective, you look at the team that's going to come back next season. And, of course, Arizona is not surprisingly being ranked very, very high and everyone's way too early top 25, top 15, top 10. Arizona's in all of them. And with good reason. You know, but these things come before you realize who's going to turn pro, who's going to transfer, who's going to transfer in, because um, just college basketball is crazy 
these days. And <laughs> unlike, I mean, similar to last season going into it, unlike, I guess, unlike last season when Arizona didn't have the high expectations, the expectations are back going into this offseason. This team, this program is there. It's going to contend again next season. But similar to last season, there's not a lot of guaranteed roster turnover. You mentioned Justin Kyra. He's gone. He's the only one who's guaranteed to be gone. Ben Matherin's probably gone. He should go. Other than that, I mean, maybe Coloco, maybe Dalen Terry. But unlike Arizona teams past that have been one-seed-type teams where you knew they were losing three, four guys and having to just redo it all over again, even if Arizona loses a couple of players, it's not like that. You're still probably going to have a sophomore or a junior, I guess, Kirk Creesa, junior Azulis Tubelis, you know, Umar Bali back, Pella Larson will be back. You know, some of the key guys are going to return next season, which is why everyone is still so high on this team. Yeah, and, you know, another interesting, well, first of all, Adam, trying to know who is a sophomore, junior, or senior with all the COVID rules. I I still don't know if anybody <laughs> knows. Um, but, you know, you, you kind of compared it to last season's roster, and I think there's an interesting parallel compared to last offseason when Arizona had a lot of guys ostensibly returning, but guys went into the portal, and Tommy Lloyd had to re- you know, re-recruit some guys on the roster, and there's it's it's almost like an interesting other side of the coin of re-recruiting this roster because you have some guys that might be uh, you know looking to go to the NBA. I think I think Ben Matherin is almost assuredly gone, but you look at a guy like Christian Coloco and Dale and Terry, you know, is this a is this a recruiting job for Tommy Lloyd to convince them to come back? And how what does that do uh, in terms of what they're going to look for in the portal and going uh, going through the offseason? And it's just going to the transfer portal is going to is going to come for men's basketball like it does for, for for you know for the for the football uh, college football teams. Uh, we don't know who's going to be there. You don't know what's going to be available. You know, Tommy Lloyd can try to plug some holes in the roster with that. But the first things first is he needs to know who's coming back. Yeah, yeah, and that's a challenge, of course. I forget I should have looked this up when the NBA draft when they can pull back out of the draft. Say a lot of players will do is they'll say I'm going to declare for the draft and maintain my eligibility. If I'm Arizona's guys, like Matherin is a first-round pick if he goes. Coloco's getting drafted if he goes. May not be the first round, but he's definitely getting drafted. But if I'm Coloco, if I'm Dalen Terry, if I'm pretty much anybody, I'm exploring my NBA draft stock just to see, get the feedback. And then I'm planning on coming back if it's not you know, top 15, top 20, which may very well be the case. I imagine most of these guys have an idea by now of where they'd go. Like Ben Matherin knows he's going to be a lottery pick. Chris Nicolico knows teams see him maybe from the 15 to the 35, 38 range. And if you figure from their perspective, who would benefit the most from coming back another year? And it's, I'm of the mindset, if you could go make money playing basketball, I guess you can make money playing basketball at Arizona now too. But if you could go be a professional basketball player, go do it. You don't owe Arizona anything. You don't, you know, it's maybe you, you yeah, you'd get better with another year in college, but go get paid to get better for that next year. You'll get better in the NBA too, or get better wherever you're going to go play. But, you know, when I look at this team, I don't think they're going to lose that much. And, like, I think Coloco does come back. I'm fairly confident. I just, in my own, I don't know anything, but just I could see him saying, you know what, he's going to be a senior next season, come back and play himself into a lottery pick, show one more thing. Dale and Terry, I think, will get some decent draft feedback, but it'll just be like, hey, you need to work on this, this, and this, the things that we've all seen. Just do it consistently. Have tournament Dale and Terry throughout the course of the season. That's a lottery pick right there. Other than that, I don't think there's too many guys who would go pro. And I don't see a lot of key guys wanting to transfer. You know, like, what's Pella Larson going to transfer or Umar Balo going to transfer for? You know, like, maybe a Shane Noel transfers because he didn't play much and maybe he won't see the time. But I don't think there's going to be that much roster turnover here. Like, I just don't. Well, and I think in in the days of yore, 
uh, a guy like Azulis Tabellis might go back overseas uh, and make some money there, even if it's, you know, Kirill Nachashko was making money overseas and he didn't exactly, you know, set the world on fire at Arizona. Uh, and now uh, with N- with the NIL deals, and I think that there's even NIL deals now, I keep hearing that uh, international players are also eligible. Yeah, so Justin Spears told us last week, yeah, which was you news know, to me too, yeah. Which that, that kind of changes the calculus for people, right? Um, and I, I looked it up, Adam. The early entry deadline is April 24th, and they could, the the last date they can withdraw is June 1st with the uh, the lottery and the uh, draft combine in mid mid to late May. Now, if they, so they if they declare but then wait till June, that's a problem, right? Because the transfer portal, you need to know what your yeah. roster looks like. But I don't think it'll take that long for these guys to know. Yeah, and, and Arizona's in. You know, we still have. Uh, the lingering IARP resolution where there may be a reduction in scholarships. And so maybe some guys, you know, maybe, maybe a, an extra roster spot or two is not the worst thing for Arizona going into this season if they don't know what they're going to have. But, um, you know, I think you're right. I think most of the roster can and should and will come back. You know, I think there's probably going to be, there's, you know, there's going to be, there's usually an obvious guy like Ben Mather and there's usually a surprise guy that departs and there's usually a guy that, like maybe it's Shane Noel, who I I still think is a player that could become a good player, but yeah, but that's the type of guy that would depart. Someone who maybe says, yeah. "I'm not going to get the minutes I want." Because in the past, guys from Arizona who have departed, the surprise guys been someone who's like, you know what, I don't like playing for this coach, or I want to go play a different system, or I just want to go make my money right now in the NBA, and they don't get drafted. Or you know, you have like a Grant Jarrett who ends up being a second round pick, or Kobe Simmons who goes undrafted. Do you have those surprises? I don't know what player on this team is like that. I don't know which one because I I feel like they all probably liked playing for Tommy Lloyd. You know, like his system is very friendly to putting up numbers and seemingly having fun. And unless they're just the minutes won't be there. And I think Tommy Lloyd show, like, if you can play, you're going to find minutes. You know, like he didn't play hardly. You know, Donald Ball got minutes towards the end of the season. You could just see what's going to become for him, like what he'll become like with just time. And like Noel, we didn't see in practice. So you don't know kind of what he feels or how he was playing or how ready he'll be next season. And I keep saying him not because I want him gone because I like you, Brett, think he could be a pretty good player for this program. But Someone like him, I could see saying, I want to go get more minutes somewhere else next season. Everyone else seems to have a pretty decent defined role going into next year. That's the roster they have now. So when we look at, okay, what does this program need? What do they need to add to contend, to really truly contend, to get past Houston, to get past the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight and Final Four and all that? Like It's hard to say for sure because you don't know what they're going to be losing. But assuming there's no big surprise to say it's just Matherin and Kyer who are gone. You know, they're bringing in Dylan Anderson, a center, uh, yeah. who probably wouldn't expect too much of as a freshman, especially if Coloco and Tabellas and Balo down low. You won't need a lot from Anderson. Then you have room for one grad transfer, you know, one transfer portal type player. I mean, they don't have to be a grad transfer, just one transfer portal guy. Like, this team is stacked, and we haven't seen an Arizona team like this really since last season that was going to bring so many people back. And even last season's team lost some key guys, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, the guy that's the real question mark is Coloco, because I think he could be a guy that could sneakily be a lottery pick. But to your point, if you're, if you're looking at like one grad transfer, the, the beauty of that is you can really try to say, what is that kind of hole you're trying to plug in your roster, right? Um, I'm curious to see if Dale and Terry comes back. I hope and think he should. He developed quite a bit, um, both in his game, but also physically. And I think he's a guy that could benefit from another year of just physical maturity mm-hmm. uh, in terms of building some strength. But you know what? What? What is? What do you? What do you think, Adam? Is like if you had one grad transfer 
type of position to fill? What do you, if you're Tommy Lloyd, what are you trying to fill there? You know what? I I almost think that's going to aggressive point guard who can get to the basket. I think is what they were missing. But at the same time, you watch the tournament, their point guard who is still very young and Kirk Carissa, he was also playing on a gimpy ankle when he played. So who knows what he could have done if he was healthy. But I think just quickness at that position, someone who can really initiate the offense when things bog down a little bit. But also Tommy Lloyd's system doesn't, it's not predicated on a point guard doing all that. You know, so it's it seems maybe kind of Pollyannish to say, but like just the experience that they gain might be the biggest thing that they could add. But, you know, it's yeah, in terms of players, I'd say like maybe one more point guard, especially if you're losing Kyer. So you need someone else who can fill that role, even if it's just like a backup point guard or another, you know, combo type guard off the bench. I mean... Well, I'll, I'll 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 confuse the issue even more. Would you rather have a grad transfer or a reclassified Kylan Boswell to fill that role, Adam? Yes. <laughs> I mean, the idea of like a grad transfer, even just like the transfer portal, they don't have to be a grad transfer. Someone who's played at this level, maybe someone who's played in the NCAA tournament. I wouldn't say no to that because that's what they've needed. But you know, it's one of those things where Boswell, if he reclassifies them, yeah, maybe he's that guy, and if he's ready to play as a true freshman and fill that role, great. Arizona's going to be in a good spot. You know, by the way, I think one thing we're we're leaving off, Adam, um, I think even if it's just Kyer and Ben Matherin, we're, what becomes of Kim Aiken's scholarship spot? That's true, too. That's a, that's a, I mean, so we, the roster looks like it's going to be really good. There's still a lot that we don't know about. But Brad, like to you, you asked the question, like, what do, what do you think they need? I I think I talked about it last week in, in the pod. I think you need somebody that is a little more physically and mentally mature uh, as a, as has the dog mentality leader that adds a little bit more strength behind the swagger, shall we say um, both physically and in terms of, and mentally. Um, I don't even know if I care what position that is. I want the mentality, if that makes sense. Okay. That's a cop out, but you know, we'll go with it. (laughs) I, I'm just there's not a positional gap. If especially right. if Kylan Boswell is reclassing, I'm not worried about it. Um, then I don't care about the position. I just want to have that mentality. I want to have that experience. I want to have that toughness, both physical and mental. No, if everything goes according to plan or doesn't go too far off the plan, Arizona's bringing most of this roster back, which means there's this is a roster again that won a lot of games, earned a number one seed, and could you could argue their biggest flaw, the thing they were missing the most was experience, which they'll have that going into next season. So Brett. Let's take a break here from basketball. We come back. We're going to be joined by one of our favorite guests, Michael Lev, who covers Arizona football, Arizona baseball for the Arizona Daily Star. And what do you know? Football and baseball, things are happening. So let's talk to him after the break. Welcome back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0, and we are glad to be joined by one of our favorite guests, Michael Lev of the Arizona Daily Star, who covers baseball. He covers football, which both happen to be, I guess, kind of in season right now. So, Michael, welcome back to the show. Thanks, guys. So, nice to be with you again. Yeah, no, we're glad to have you. We're going to start with baseball because that season's actually happening right now. The Wildcats, Chip Hale's first season, not bad so far. You know, a little inconsistent at times, a little streaky, but overall it seems like Arizona baseball is about where people think they should be. Is that a fair assessment? I'd say maybe even a little ahead of pace. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're 9-3 and three in the Pac-12. They just swept the series at Washington for the first time in program history you know not that any pac-12 opponent is easy but they kind of have the soft part of the conference slate coming up they finish with the two oregon schools which are uh, again uh, really good but they're in prime position 
um, to maybe repeat as regional hosts. And that was a very big deal to accomplish that last year. It felt like home field advantage was uh, a huge factor in how that regional played out. They had great crowds out there at High Corbett. And if they stay on the pace that they're on right now, uh, they should be able to lock that down again. You know, and seeing how they've been performing so far uh, this year, Michael, you know, there's some guys that have just been, you know, meeting or exceeding expectations clearly. I think of Chase Davis, the guy that you talked to us about as a guy who is going to likely break out. And boy, boy, has he. Um, you know, I guess Chase Davis notwithstanding, do you see their success so far as and at this pace so far as something that this Arizona Wildcats team will be able to maintain throughout the rest of Pac-12 play? Yeah, I think so. I mean, largely because they really haven't gotten, you know, full contributions from two of their better players. Um, in Tony Bullard and Chandler Murphy, who've both been coming back from injuries. You know, as we're recording this, uh, Arizona is facing Arizona State, and Tony Bullard has two home runs uh, in this game, the first two of the season for him. Everyone remembers, I think, how hot he got at the end of last year. If he can get on one of those kind of streaks, that'll just make their lineup that much deeper. Uh, If Chandler Murphy continues to progress, it'll make their pitching staff that much deeper. Um, They've done really well uh, this year from the mound. Um, uh, I think that, you know, Dave Lawn has proved that, you know, he still knows what he's doing. He kind of got demoted a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Um, they brought in Nate Yeski and they, they reassigned Dave Lawn after that you know, really pretty rough 2019 season, which, you know, part of it was pitching. I mean, they walked a gazillion batters, but they also had bad defense that year too. And that, that didn't help matters either. Um, they are, for the most part, pitching well, for the most part, defending well. Uh, they don't have quite as much balance in their lineup, right to left. A little more, sh- you know, more guys who strike out a little more you know, frequently than what we're used to. Um, but the offense has produced as well. So I-, I think as of now that all signs are pointing up and I think they can sustain the kind of pace that they're on. And, and with all that, what's the Chip Hale effect, if there is one? Because Arizona's been good for a little while now. We've seen them with Jay Johnson. Obviously, there's a lot of these guys are his Jay Johnson's players, but it's a different Arizona team, I imagine, from someone who's been watching them as much as you have. Like, what's, what's Chip Hale's impact? What are we seeing that's different under him? Yeah, I think the biggest impact is just a greater emphasis on defense and defensive fundamentals. You know, Chip Hale was a major league infielder who – committed very few errors during his time uh, in the big leagues. And that is just something that he hammers home every single day, you know, playing fundamental baseball. Like it really bought, like it used to bother Jay Johnson when there'd be like a runner left on third base, you know, like some failings by the offense, which, which of course those things bother Chip Hale. But what really bugs him is when infielders make mistakes you know, like I can just tell that it gets under his skin and, and, you know, if they can keep those to a minimum, obviously it's going to help them, you know, moving forward here. But that's the biggest difference that I see. Um, I thought Jay was obviously a very good and successful coach here. Um, but I mean, like he's kind of an offensive coordinator, you know, like consistently they'd have you know, some of the best offenses in the nation, and they were always kind of near the bottom of the league uh, in fielding percentage. And I don't know what the statistics, 
show as far as that goes, but it seems like they're a little bit more crisp for the most part um, when they have all their guys going uh, in the field so far under Chip. Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, in terms of that defensive improvement, knowing who Chip Hale is as a coach and who he was as a player, and even the performance today, I think uh, Arizona's success on the field has met or exceeded expectations, but it's also always recruiting season, and the biggest question mark for Chip Hale is recruiting, and I've seen some guys committing. I know baseball recruiting is a different thing. Uh, I'm just curious, because you're closer to the program, Michael, have have you gotten a sense of how uh, Chip Hale and his staff are doing you know, whether it's commitments or just kind of the vibe they're getting on the recruiting trail as they're seeing as kids are seeing success and how critical is it to, you know, host being a host come a postseason? How critical is that going to be to kind of sustaining that? Yeah, uh, to be honest, I, I don't know. Like, I see the same things that you do. I see players have committed um, and it's sort of like they seem like they're good, but we just don't have as much information about them as we do football and basketball prospects. So it's kind of hard to say. Uh, it seems like a lot of the guys that they're getting are from the Phoenix area, which I think uh, is a hotbed of baseball, obviously burgeoning, um, booming population area. They've gotten a couple kids from the Tucson area as well. I'm sure they're going to do well in Northern California, which has been a prime source of talent for them. And that's you know where Chip Hale is from. Uh, you know, the question is, you know, can he get some of those guys who are on the, the border's edge between coming to school or turning pro? You know, you always you have to go after some of those dudes. You can't just ignore them because you want to get some high end talent um, into your program. Uh, I don't know, um, you know, if they're going to be able to pull that off to the same degree that Jay Johnson did. Jay Johnson was a maniacal recruiter who attacked it like a football coach would. Um, and I will say this though, like the better they do this season, the better they'll do in recruiting. You know, it definitely is a cause and effect. If they can go back to the college world series, I think that that would do wonders for what chip and his staff are able to do on the trail. Certainly it helps to be good to recruit. Well, um, (laughs) that hasn't exactly been the case over in football. (laughs) We could transition with Michael Leva, the Arizona daily star here. Arizona went into this spring practice session and they had about, I think a couple more practices left as we record this. We're recording this the week of the spring game. And, you know, Arizona, we knew they brought in a lot of new talent, a lot of fresh talent, a really highly rated recruiting class at some positions. And he brought in Jaden Delora to most likely be the starting quarterback. And it's early, obviously. Not everyone's on campus. But what is your impression of spring practice, the Wildcats this year, spring practice number two under Jed Fish? Uh, it is an improved an enhanced product yeah. to be sure. Um, there was a lot of raggedy practices last spring, especially on offense. Um, the defense was really dominant and you could tell the guys just weren't used to this type of system, you know, um, which is just a different offensive system. I mean, it's a pro-style system. There's, you're under center at times. You're doing a lot of play action. You're doing bootlegs. There's, you know, like multiple-level routes. Um, so, you know, all of that stuff was new to everybody except for the coaching staff. This year, although they have some new players, the foundation was already in place. 
and you can just tell things are a lot smoother. Um, they're more efficient offensively. Um, I think the talent level is higher at several positions. Like the battles between the receivers and the defensive backs have been kind of must-see TV out there. Um, like they've really upgraded externally at receiver and kind of internally uh, in the defensive backfield with, with some guys who've improved or or maybe playing positions that suit their skill sets a little bit better than what they were doing uh, a year ago. So overall, I would say that has resulted in just a higher level of play across the board. Yeah, I think uh, there's, you know, for the t- a fairly highly rated recruiting class, not even going into the transfers, the, the roster turnover you mentioned, the upgrade is dramatic, and not all of them are on campus yet, but a significant number of them are, including uh, the Servite clan. I think three-fourths of the of the recruits from Servite are on campus. What's the early returns on on the big three that are there already, T-Mac, uh, uh, Noah Fafita, and Keon Burnett? I would say that, um, across the entire class of guys who have enrolled early that they've lived up to their billing. They've looked really good. Um, I can't think of one who hasn't uh, had good moments out there on the field. Um, as far as the Servite guy specifically, Noah Fafita, the quarterback, he's a baller. He's got the strongest arm of any of the quarterbacks. I mean, he's he's not big. You know, He's listed at 5'9". That might even be a little generous, but he knows how to play. And, you know, I think being that size, it's not like it's a new experience for him, if that makes sense. Like, he knows how to manipulate the defense, uh, alter his arm angle to get the ball around defenders. Um, He just looks unfazed out there. So um, I've been really impressed with him. And Keon Burnett is going to be the best receiving tight end Arizona's had maybe since Rob Gronkowski. I'm not saying he's going to be as good as Rob Gronkowski, but the best since then. Um, You can see all the tools in place. It's just a matter of learning, you know, how to play more of an inline tight end position than he was probably probably did uh, at Servite, where I think he was kind of a glorified wide receiver, which just happened to be tight end sized. And then, you know, Tetsuro McMillan, he started off spring practice making all these you know, spectacular one-handed plays. Then it kind of leveled off a little bit. And I think that it was a matter of, you know, getting used to going against premier cornerbacks, you know, like he's going up against Christian Roland Wallace daily. And I think that's probably Arizona's best overall player. One of the top corners in the league. And he's made it really hard for T-Mac. And I think that's good. You know, like he needed that, like, Hey, this is not going to be, as easy as it was in high school. So he's had to learn how to, you know, gain separation from good corners. And, you know, I think a lot of the highlight reel plays were, you know, like kind of plays along the sideline, right. Where you're just kind of going up and over uh, the defender. I've seen a lot of catches on crossing routes and comeback routes where he's using his big body in a different way. So there, there's kind of the scouting report on the survey guys as of now. And another couple of guys that, you know, maybe weren't as highly touted. Uh, I read about of, of, of pretty strong early returns and guys that might, that might surprise early in terms of seeing the field as true freshmen. 
Uh, I'm just going to call them by their first name, mainly because I can't pronounce one of their sec- their their last names. Both of the Jonas, Jonah Coleman, Little Jonah, and Big Jonah, I will let you pronounce. Uh, it sounds like both of them have impressed for true freshmen at positions where it's you know maybe not easy to get on the field. Um, I'd love to kind of see to to hear some of the color behind what you're seeing with those two guys. Yeah, we'll start with uh, Jonah, and I believe the pronunciation is Saba Inea. Um, someone told me one time that the way to pronounce the Polynesian players' names is just kind of do it phonetically. Um, you know, there's obviously there's a lot of syllables, but it just kind of slowly go along. You can you can piece it together. I'm probably not saying it right. Like I'm sure. Um, that his family says it differently, but we'll go with that. Typing now. it can't be easy, though, right? Yeah. How is it to um, type? <laughs> you, it takes it takes practice. Yeah. To, you can't you can't type it. Fo- you can't type it phonetically. <laughs> no, you can't. But what I do is in in Microsoft Word, I'll add those names to the dictionary. Ooh, that seems dangerous. So I know if there's no if there's no squiggly red line underneath, I know that I've gotten it right. Anyway, as a player, I mean. You don't see a lot of true freshmen starting on the offensive line, and I'm pretty sure he's going to start for them uh, at right guard uh, this season. He's just a massive people mover kind of guy. I mean, 335, 340 pounds, naturally big. Jordan Morgan, uh, we talked to him this week, and someone asked him, you know, how do you compare where Jonah is at as a freshman to where you were? And Jordan Morgan was like, I was – 270 275 as a freshman and you know i was too small i couldn't i couldn't play i wasn't big enough or strong enough really to play in the pac-12 and jonah sabaynea is there obviously there's still a learning curve for him but the physical part of it uh, i i think he's ready um jonah coleman will quickly become a fan favorite wait until you see this guy um he is like a Maurice Jones-Drew, Jacquez Rogers clone. Um, he's short, but got massive legs, runs with great power. Um, he's elusive. It's really hard to tackle him. He's also a good receiver. Um, he's going to force his way onto the field uh, this year, no matter how deep their running back core is. And it's, you know, maybe the deepest position on the team. That's I'm sure every Wildcats fan likes to hear stuff like that. It does seem like this team is exponentially more talented than last year's, which of course will lead to higher expectations. But what I'm wondering here is with all this turnover, like, are we starting to see, are you starting to see like Jed Fish's vision for what this team should look like? Is it as easy as just, Hey, get better players in, or is it starting to look like, okay, when Jed Fish was hired, this is what the Wildcats are going to be. This is the type of offense they're going to run. This is the type of players they're going to have if all goes according to plan. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think a lot of it depends on the play they get from Jaden Delora at quarterback. Um, you know, going into last season, Jed wasn't really settled on a guy. Uh, and it took him a, a long while to kind of figure out who he wanted that guy to be. And then when he finally did figure out that it was Jordan McLeod, he promptly got injured. And Gunnar Cruz got injured. And Will Plummer was the only guy they had left. And Will improved over the course of the season, to be sure. But you can't sit here and say that he played at an elite level, really, um, at any point. 
so Jaden Delora comes in, and you know, he's got, I think, 15 starts on his resume at Washington State, 16 appearances over two seasons. Um, so he's got tons of experience. He's got a lot of juice to his game. He plays uh, at a really fast pace. Like, he's one of those guys where kind of like the more chaotic it is, the better he does. You know, like, I, I felt like he's looked more comfortable to me in spring doing 11-on-11 11 11 than 7-on-7. Seven seven. And a lot of guys, it's the other way around. 7-on-7, seven seven, you should kind of have a clear picture. There's no pass rush. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes when he has too much time, like, I, I don't see think he sees the field as well. Um, but he's got a good arm, uh, good athlete. He's aggressive which I think is something that they really like. Like he is willing to take shots down the field. And when you have upgraded your receiving core the way they have, you want your quarterback to try to take advantage of that. Um, And he's got like, you know, an improvisational side to him, you know, where he can make off platform throws off script plays. Um, And, you know, you guys have seen the Arizona offensive line. You're going to need that. From time to time, Um, you know, he said the other day that there's going to be maybe like four or five occasions a game where he's going to have to, you know, do something that's not, you know, the way the the play is drawn up. Um, And he can do that. He can do it really well. So thanks again for joining us, Michael. I got one one more question for you, just as we kind of are wrapping up the spring uh, practice, you know, it seems like Arizona's largely gotten out of it uh, without too many major oh, injuries. Don't jinx it; they still got practices left, man. What are you doing? I uh, knock on knock on wood. Um, but uh, you know, you've you've now got to see. You, there's a lot of hype with the recruiting class. A lot of hype with you know guys we haven't even mentioned, like Jacob Cowing, uh, Hunter Eccles, that you know are are going to come in and be expected to significantly contribute. How how would you assess? for Arizona Wildcats fans after having at least seen it on the practice field, how much more optimism should Arizona have with the direction of the program? I would ask it that way rather than trying to say how much of an expectation should they have this fall, but you know, how, how optimistic should they be that the program is heading in the right direction? Uh, I would say that they should have plenty. There's considerable reason for optimism. You know, this is definitely a better team. I think there's no question about it. Um, They are not going to repeat their record from last season. They will exceed it by how much. That remains to be seen. But I feel like the floor is higher than it was before. And I feel like the ceiling is higher than it was before, too. You know, I mean, I could I could definitely see them at least in that four to six win range for this season, which, you know, based on you know, how the last couple of seasons have gone, that would be a big upgrade, you know? Um, The other thing I would say is that, and I've said this before, probably on your podcast and other places, but it's not like the Pac-12 is all that, you know? Um, I mean, a lot of these teams are vulnerable. I mean, ASU is in a a kind of a bad spot right now with uh, the NCAA probe, coaches leaving, transfers. You know, they had a, a kind of a, soft or so I say small recruiting class um Colorado's in total kind of rebuild mode right now um I mean USC obviously they have Lincoln Riley and they have Caleb Williams but there's you know I don't think he's happy with the state of that roster 
you know, um, they're not like fully formed. Um, UCLA is still solid, though they lost a lot of uh, you know, veteran players this past season. Utah is the, the king of the Pac-12 South, and I think the heavy, heavy favorites, maybe even a top 10 uh, overall team heading into next year. But, like, is it that crazy to think that Arizona could climb as high as third in the South this year? <laughs> Oh, is that rhetorical? I mean, Are we supposed to answer that? Because I don't know. I mean, it does seem crazy. They were, I don't think they were a one-win team talent-wise last year. I think they were slightly better than that, maybe a two- or three-win team last year. Just, you know, bounce here, an injury there. I mean, they should have beat NAU, and then they could have stolen one more. Washington, they should have beat, probably. They probably could have beat UCLA, too, if McLeod doesn't get hurt. So were they absolutely the worst team ever last season? No. So you take that roster, you upgrade it, you give them more familiarity with this coaching staff, the coaching staff more familiarity running a program. And yeah, I could see another couple of wins on top of what they should have had last season, which puts them, I think, in the range you're talking about, Michael. Yeah, they also, I mean, they were the worst red zone offense in the country. They were one of the worst red zone defenses in the country. They hardly had any takeaways. They had a ton of, inter- they threw a ton of interceptions. Despite all of that, they were in several games, you know, like that's yeah. a lot of stuff that needed to be cleaned up. And those have been major points of emphasis during the spring. But um, I think the turnover table is going to shift a little bit. Uh, I think having bigger receivers is going to help in the red zone. So, you know, if they can improve in those areas, I think it's going to help the team a lot. You you said they didn't have, you know, the talent of a one and 11 team. I think that's true, but they might've had the depth of a one and 11 team. You know, like they'd be able to play with the other team into like the third quarter and then they would the other the opponent would pull away. And I think that speaks to your frontline guys are maybe as good or close to as good as your opponent. But you know, the rest is, is lacking. And that's that's going to take a little bit of time that you can't fix that. Uh, with one recruiting class or one offseason. You just, that's music to Brett's ears. He's always talking about depth, and certainly it takes time to build that, but Jed Fish and that staff seem to be on their way to accomplishing just that. Michael Love, the Arizona Daily Star. You can find him on Twitter at Michael J. Love. Always want to have you plug stuff because we enjoy reading your work. What should people be looking forward to as spring practice comes to a close and baseball keeps rolling into Pac-12 play? Yeah, well, after every practice, I've been posting kind of little notes and takeaways, little nuggets of um, just stuff that I've observed, um, you know, injury updates, all that. So those will keep rolling along. I'll be out at High Corbett this weekend as well as baseball uh, returns home. And we'll probably ramp up our baseball coverage even a little bit more um, once football uh, is over and I have a little bit more time to devote to it. Um, kind of the best and last hope for uh, Arizona athletics this spring, considering how softball has really uh, been struggling big time. I guess men's golf is doing pretty well. Men's tennis is doing um, pretty well. But I think as far as national rankings and postseason potential, baseball might be where it's at this spring. All right. Sounds like a plan. So Michael Love, the Arizona Daily Star. Thanks for joining us on Wildcat Radio 2.0. And we look forward to catching up with you again down the road sometime soon. Yeah, thanks, fellas. All right, it's Michael Levin. We come back. Let's talk a little football. 
Welcome back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. Thanks again to Michael Leff for sharing his insight. Arizona baseball and Arizona football both have things happening. Of course, baseball is rolling into Pac-12 play. They're playing as we speak, recording this, but it's a non-conference game against ASU, one of those weird uh, baseball quirks that happens throughout the season, especially those early week games. Football, of course, is wrapping up spring practices. The spring game is set for this upcoming Saturday. Brett and I are going to be there, by the way. So if you're around, hit up the Wildcat Radio Twitter account at Wildcat Radio AZ and we'll see if we can say hi. We'll see what's up because, you know, the spring game, <laughs> it's not exactly, well, it's not the place we're going to really learn a lot about the program. Otherwise, last season's would have indicated a lot of flea flickers and all sorts of crazy plays that did not happen. Also, touchdowns. It would have indicated that too. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a chance to kind of see Arizona football, the program it wants to be, right? You know, the type of fun they want to have, what they want the spring game to be about, what they want to be viewed as on a national stage or on just like that stage. So, you know, it'll be a fun time no matter what. Yeah, last year's game was full of touchdowns and gronks. Uh, this year we'll not ha- have gronks, but uh, we'll have brewskis. Huh? Uh? Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, I, but if, if nothing else, though, it's going to be nice for a lot of people and us included to get a fir- our first, like, in-person look at yeah. this, what Michael have said, is a much improved roster. And it's good to hear him say that about them because obviously it's like they should be much improved. <laughs> they brought in this top recruiting class. They brought in these impact transfers at quarterback, at receiver, at linebacker, on the defensive line, just everywhere. They brought in so much more talent. But until it plays in grand practice field against fellow Wildcats doesn't mean anything. You don't win any games that way. But someone like Michael Lev has watched a lot of football, who's seen good football when he covered USC. He's seen bad football when he's covered Arizona. He's seen average football with some of the Arizona teams too. If he says that this team is much improved in what he's seeing on the field, then I, I, that means something. That means certainly the roster is in a much better place than it was last year. And what's crazy, you know, for all of the, the guys that enrolled early of the true freshmen, you're still missing Rayshon Luke. You're still missing Sterling Lane. You know, you're still missing, uh, I, I don't think Tyler Martin's on campus yet, Isaiah Ward, some other guys that are potentially going to be contributors even as, as freshmen or at least depth guys. Uh, you know, if we're already seeing it on the, on the, on the field come Saturday for the spring game, um, you know, it's, it should hopefully only get better as we as we get into the fall. Yeah, yeah. Now, granted, you know, you decide to try to jinx their health with one of your questions. And so For no matter shame. what, if anyone gets hurt, it's on Brett, by the way. So just I'll, put that out there. I'll probably probably be the one that gets hurt. I'll, like, trip and fall <laughs> in the stedium. I'll we, take one for the team. We can only hope. But, you know, it's a type of thing, though, like the spring. This is kind of what you want to hear, right? You want the team to get out healthy no matter what. No key injuries, no really bad key injuries. And you want to see the new players look like guys who can contribute and make a difference. And that it can be some true freshman, like we'll see with Jonah S., you know, he's, if he's starting as a freshman, is that because he's really good, because the offensive line is really bad? A combination of both. We'll see. And we, the one thing we really didn't talk about was the offensive line outside of him. And, of course, no matter all the skill position upgrades they could have, if the offensive line isn't better, Arizona's going to struggle. At the same time, with an experienced quarterback and Jan Delore, who is better at improvising, with all the skill position talent they have, they can find a way to scheme around a less-than-stellar offensive line. There are ways to get your quarterback out of the pocket, have the right reads, have routes and everything. And you have receivers who can win one-on-one battles. That'll make it easier, too. So it all is in concert with each other. But certainly better offensive line play will be key to this offense taking another step or two forward. I think that's 
totally fair. Even even during the course of spring, we actually got um, some people back on the practice field on the O line, like Davis Duvall, who's a you know friend of the pod. He was out for for personal reasons that uh, you know is not publicly disclosed, but he's been getting back out on the field. And he's a guy you who know. could conceivably start for them. Yeah, and it, you know, all all reports are he's a guy that if he's not starting, he'll certainly be you know in contention and and potentially in the rotation. Mm-hmm. And at that position group, you know, to your point, like that's probably the the biggest the position group with the the largest number of question marks. Um, but you know, you 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 feel better about pretty much every position group, um, maybe some considerably, and I'm, I'm curious to see it once uh, once we're down there and see it with our own eyes. And I may be uh, in my Kirk Carissa cosplay with the Steve Kerr jersey and bucket hat to uh, get suns out, guns out. Sure. Give the people what they want, Adam. It ain't that, man. Yeah, fair. <laughs> my pasty white arms. <laughs> I don't think that, I mean, maybe the people want that. Maybe some people want that. I don't know. But anyway, it, it's, you know, I think following basketball seasons that were both great for the men's and women's teams that fell short but were very fun. A lot of wins, a lot of big wins there. Of course, softball has been struggling a little bit. Baseball has been okay. Less so they've actually been better than maybe most anticipated. That's fair. He knows them a lot better and what they should be doing a lot better than I do. But a lot of people are just so excited for football. And grants wrapping up spring just means spring practice is over. You know, it means you have a couple months off, but once spring ball is over, you're a little bit closer to week one. You know, And this is a season where coming off a one-win campaign last year, I don't know if I've ever seen or have even felt so much excitement for a football season to start. And not because people are thinking they're going to be really, really good, but because I think they're going to be much improved and just better, like more enjoyable to watch and certainly even more competitive than what was probably the most competitive one-win teams you'll ever see last season. Yeah, we we are, we are the best one-win team and the best one in, what was it, 20 uh, in the last 21? <laughs> well, they weren't as competitive um, for the first half of that losing streak as they were for the last half of it, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I very much agree with that. Plus, there's the caveats that we all know about the COVID season and no non-con plays, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. But, you know, it's it, it sure seems like, you know, there's ain't, ain't nothing quite like a, a Jed Fish offseason um, and, you know, Spring practice is kind of is technically still part of that off season. Oh yeah, it's still and, off season, and you know there's still potential for maybe some minor roster turnover as spring camps end and got, and guys figure out at others at Arizona and other schools where there you know there's still some portal action happening. Maybe there's a way of uh, you know maybe not getting some star guys out there, but some some you know some shopping around for the right kind of fit at some position groups. Like Mo Diallo was one of their best players last season, and he was oh, a, my goodness. a late pickup. Of course, of Arizona, offseason fish, picked up a commitment this week. Uh, Justin Johnson, a three-star safety from California, who has some pretty high reviews, top 1,000 commit, which it's still early in the recruiting cycle, but it's not a bad one to kind of build your class with another defensive player because clearly Jed Fish, he's an offensive coach, but has a nice emphasis on recruiting defense for this program. Yeah, and he's the third commit of the of the year uh, of this class for for Jed Fish and crew, um, and he's the third highest rated according to two four seven, so the lowest. But he's still just uh, just outside top eight hundred, which you know in college ball parlance, if you're getting a lot of guys in the top eight hundred, that's a that's a competitive program, mm-hmm. um, and a guy that you know based on the interest in some of the offers is a guy that might even rise in those rankings as the season moves along. Uh, you know, good size. Another another big you know big piece in the secondary might be able to play probably going to be safety maybe could play corner uh, get you know I I would prefer to not go to a Washington State game again and watch our safeties get burned for touchdowns so the more talent we get at the in the well, secondary it won't have to happen this season because you know that game will be would be in Tucson 
Well, I, I know. I'm thinking ahead to when these guys will play, Adam. Mm, yes, I, I got They're class of you. 2023. Yeah, I got you. I got, yeah, I'm just saying, like, they can't help this year, but they won't need to help this year. But certainly your point is they're just upgrading the talent rush. Now, you know, at the same time, last season when they were adding all these recruits, it's like, all right, well, they got to get them a signing day. <laughs> and Arizona did, amazingly, with everything that was going on, including they got a couple late ones, too, like a, a T-Mac, who they're able to convince to come to Arizona. You'd like to think that as they build this class, the program, the on-field product will be a lot better, and therefore it'll be easier to not only retain the ones that they have gotten early commitments from, but also add throughout the rest of the recruiting cycle. So we'll see, though. I mean, until the games start happening, we don't know. <laughs> you know, it's just a lot of optimism. Off-season off fish, as you said, has been the best fish. But if that can start translating to in-season fish, regular season fish, then that pretends to very, very good things for Arizona football. Um, but, Brad, I think that just about does, of course, you know, keep an eye on things like tennis, which has been playing men's tennis, playing really well. You know, softball got off their losing streak. They ended it over the weekend, so that was good to see. They deserve that and see if they can turn things around. And, of course, basketball, both men's and women's, we'll see what the transfer portal does and the uh, opportunity to go pro in certain areas, and we'll talk about all that. But otherwise, make sure, everyone, you're following us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. Um, we'll probably be tweeting from that account on Saturday. And like I said, Brad and I are going to be at the spring game, so track us down. You know, say hi to us. We don't have anything to offer, but maybe a handshake, a high five, or a fist bump. But you know, that's something. I mean, we might offer a witty comment or two. And if you find us in the beverage line, we might buy you a beer. Well, whoa, 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 whoa! I whoa. said might. Oh, I hedged that one. Yeah, the, the word might's doing a lot of <laughs> a lot of work there. <laughs> but even even with all that, make sure you find us on iTunes and Spotify. You can subscribe to us on either of those platforms. If you find us on iTunes. Leave us a rating and a review. We will read that review on the air. We like to do that. And so tell us your thoughts on Wildcat Radio 2.0. We'd love to hear them and say them, I guess, is how it would be. I, sure. <laughs> I, I, I guess. So. I, I, do, I am sad that we haven't had a review written in a while. I'd, I'd, I'd really like, you know, if you listener has listened this long, give us something to read uh, yeah. on next week's pod. I assume that means we're just doing great. No news is good news, I think. I, well, most of the time, people are the angry ones. Be like, you suck. I'm going to make sure you know it. And I no mean, one's been doing that, so I think that means we're fine. And, I mean, our average rating on, on iTunes would, would support that. Indeed. So we're going to stop congratulating ourselves here. We'll, <laughs> we'll pick that up again next week. But until then, remember to bear down. Bear down.